Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Yo, this is Jamie St. James from the great black and blue. You're listening to Talking Metal. Crank it up. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. And now, your hosts, Mark and John. Hey guys, welcome to part two of three of the July 12th, 2011 edition of Talking Metal Live. Jamie St. James from Black and Blue joins us for an interview on this hour of the live show. And what else? Uh, oh, Bud Friendly and Eric Bonenstiel in the studio with us, hanging out, two friends of, uh, of John and myself. So, uh, again, here we are. John Astronomy, Mark Striegel, Eric Bonenstiel, Bud Friendly, with part two of three of the July 2011 version of Talking Metal Live in podcast form. Right now, black and blue, hold on to 18.
And we're back for another amazing segment of Talking Metal Live. So let's talk some black and blue right now. Eric, our guest for today's Talking Metal Live. Were you surprised to hear that black and blue was back together actually doing a new album? I guess they had done some touring um, yeah, you know, over the course of what the past ten years or so, but they, uh, Jamie returned from uh, or left Warrant for what reasons I'm not sure, and uh, reformed without Tommy Thayer, mm-hmm. uh, who was yeah. uh, for the most part, I think the songwriting partner in all those original Black and Blue oh, yeah. albums, yeah. Uh, reformed the band without him. Uh, surprised, shocked, uh, could care less. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was I was excited that uh, I mean. The excitement wore off when the album "Hell Yeah" their new record was announced. You know, right. coming soon three years ago. Yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. It took I mean, a while. it's just right. a long time. You know, there was a, you know, kind of an you know, some public acknowledgement that we're back doing this. This record's coming out. You know, we've got a title. We got some, and then just years went by. Yeah, I think you know we changed presidents and. Yeah, you know, a lot of right. things change, and then the album just kind of secretly came out. It re- I know they're on Frontiers, that Italian label. I yeah, think. Yeah, smaller and, label. Yep. Uh, the, Frontiers does a lot of stuff. I mean, they have you know they have Journey and stuff. I think too. I mean, they 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 do big bands, but over in right. Europe. But yeah, uh, their presence here is limited. I mean, I like a lot of bands on Frontiers. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was psyched that they got a deal, and but you know the record just kind of eked peeped out like there was no mention of it really i think on a lot of sites and stuff so right. I, maybe it's just a slow burn and maybe some people it is a pretty good record it I, is a I good listened record. to it there's some real good tracks on monkey hail hail monkey is, yeah monkey's yeah. a great track yeah and a lot of great stuff on the record so we're looking forward to talking with him i remember you know black and blue is is kind of interesting because like uh, i feel a lot of the 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 oh, i like to call them second generation you know commercial metal fans if you will don't know that band you mm-hmm. know um people who who were into warrant and stuff you know bands that came out in the later 80s uh, a lot of them don't know black and blue and yeah, they, i feel like they kind yeah. of there was like a they what, were in 84 the, 80, well they were on the first metal massacre yeah, compilation with slayer yeah and i think armored saint and a lot of other now forgotten metallica. bands metallica, metallica yeah. Yeah, again forgotten bands yeah. you yeah. know there you go yeah <laughs> little bit little bands that couldn't right um but uh yeah black and blue was part of that yeah the mid 80 mid early mid 80s bands like second tierish bands like keel and kick axe and right. a lot of these bands that never really jumped over although black and blue had more records than all those bands I mean, yeah they, they did five consecutive four or five yeah, consecutive I, records. yeah i'm not sure i think they before, they, yeah. they even put out a box set like 10 years ago yeah yeah with yeah. a dvd yeah way back there when. you go yeah so and uh hold on to 18 was the, obviously the big it I don't know if it was a big, but it was a, it was one of those those kind of uh, videos that snuck on MTV yeah. pre Headbangers yeah. Ball, if you will. Um, and and I remember I didn't have MTV, but I would go over to my friend's house and just hit record on his Betamax and sure. uh, get like four hours of MTV. <laughs> and then I'd go home and fast forward through it looking for the gems. See, I know. wouldn't yeah. fast forward. I lived in Germany, so I would have yeah. friends tape MTV at night for me and just yeah. mail me the tapes. And I would because I wanted to see a Sprite commercial. 
special with Cool Modi in it and stuff. Yeah. Like, because we just didn't get all that. We didn't get that stuff in Germany. So I would watch it all front to back. And then all of a sudden, Black and Blue Miss Mystery would pop up right after, you know, uh, you know, uh, some cr- non rock song. You know, when MTV just didn't have genre based programming, it was just, here's a bunch of music videos. Enjoy, kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's your babysitter for the next three hours. Yep. And Black and Blue, interesting. A lot of big name producers they worked with, uh, of course, Gene Simmons and Bruce. What was that guy's name? Bruce Fairburn. Fairbairn. Is that his name, John? Fairburn. Yeah. 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 And what, what's the other guy, the German guy? Uh, Dieter. Dieter uh, Dirks. Yeah. Dieter oh, Dirks yeah. did for the Bree- first. For Breeze Music, because, yeah, he did all. He did the Twisted Sister stuff, except. Except. And yeah. the Scorpions Scorps. records, too. Yeah. Well, he did yeah. Blackout, maybe? I I'm think not, he did yeah, Blackout. I'm not yeah. sure. But, yeah. So uh, definitely some big name producers that. Black and Blue worked with, and uh, yeah. definitely a, a band that I always felt should have been a little more well-known. They didn't they sound were. like anyone else. I mean, right. <clears throat> especially with Jamie's voice, like, they were a singular-sounding band. No one sounded like them. You right. know, their, their, their take on melody and everything, I mean, they were, you know, sort of the Pacific Northwest version of kind of a harder docking to me. I mean, they were, no one, you know, they just sounded like themselves, and it was a shame that they didn't get more traction, especially over in Europe. I mean, they were an obscurity in Europe, for from my perspective. But yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, it's interesting the whole metal massacre thing. I was actually researching yeah. it. And it's funny, the first pressing Black and Blue wasn't on apparently, and really, I th- I can't remember who was. They replaced somebody on the second pressing. Um, I, it may have been. Rad, what was the song? Was something. the song? Uh, was it "Strong Will Rock" or what was the song on that on, uh, on Metal Massacre? Ch- chain was it "Chains Around"? Chains Around Heaven. heaven? Yeah, <clears throat> that's I think what it was. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, and so it should be interesting to talk to Jamie. The new record, I think, sounds really good. I'm excited about it, and uh, yeah, he will be calling in in uh, hopefully about five minutes or so. So let's stay tuned for that. We'll get into a little music, I guess. Uh, how about some Black and Blue? Uh, maybe one of the classics right now and we will check out some new black and blue a bit later uh let me see what i have as far as the classic stuff goes here uh i got um sight for sore eyes off of in heat i got rocking on heaven's door auto blast hold on to 18 uh mr astronomy any requests out of those few about auto blast yeah that would be mine that would be mine too yeah (laughs) cool here we go best
Hey guys, uh, Jamie, are you on the line? Jamie, hey, it's John Astronomy. Are you on the line? I'm here. How you doing? Hey, great, man. It's really uh, awesome to have you on the show. I've been a fan of Black and Blue for for many years, wait, dating back to the early '80s, and uh, and then of course being a Kiss fan. You know, I was really into the Nasty Nasty record back in 86. And uh, you know, it's great to finally have you on Talking Metal. So thanks a lot, man. Good to be here, my friend. Hey, Jamie, Mark Striegel here. We also have Eric. So there might be three of us shooting uh, some questions at you. But uh, again, thank you so much for calling in. We're very excited about the new Black and Blue record. We were just talking about it. Hell Yeah, which is out now. Uh, what made 2011 the year for Black and Blue to return with a new album? Oh, man. Uh, we, we actually started... I got a record deal in... Uh, I don't remember. It was uh, about 2000 three or something like that. I can't remember exactly. And it was a solo deal. And I decided, you know, what would be much more cooler is to do a black and blue record. You know, who cares about a solo Jamie St. James record? So I basically uh, called the guys and put it together, but it just took us forever to uh, get the whole thing recorded. We, we changed labels midstream. Uh, Jeff Luke Warner, who uh, had a recording studio, he lost the studio midstream. I joined Warrant for four years. You throw all that together, and then the fact that half of us live in L.A., the other guys live in Portland, yeah, it was just hard to get together. But 2011, it finally came together, and bam, we're here. Cool. And you have, I guess, he's not all that new to the black and blue fold, but as far as the recording, recorded black and blue, he is. Sean, where did you guys uh, get him? Well, he's from Portland. Uh, Patrick and Whoop still live in Portland, Oregon, and uh, they—I was up there, you know, working on the record, and uh, it, was, it was mainly it was recorded all in Portland, Oregon, actually. And uh, so they said, "Look, we got we got a guy. Uh, we know he can he can do the part. You know, let's let's you know let's check him out." And basically, I just got to know him, and and those guys swore by his playing abilities. So uh, we just we gave him a shot, and he he's worked out really well. He's been in the band eight years now, or something like that. Great. Now, you guys did a reunion with Tommy a, a few years back, right? Back in Portland? Yeah, we played with Tommy here and there. Uh, we got inducted into the Oregon Music Hall of Fame, and uh, that was just like about a year ago. 
and uh, we played. Tommy played with us then. We played a set, uh, and we got our award and all that stuff. The whole night was geared up for us, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, go ahead. I said congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a lot cooler than I thought it was going to be. You know, we didn't get a little. Lo- we didn't get a lot of love in Portland when we were playing clubs and stuff. I mean, we were playing clubs and we were playing Hold On to Eighteen, but no, you know, no one liked you know original music. They all wanted cover tunes. You know, right. and they just were like, we got to get out of here. But uh, you know, it was really nice to go back and get that, and it was really a, a, a great night for us. And, and, I, and we had a, a, a sold out crowd at a big theater, and it was this you know standing O when we got our award. And it was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, we played with Tommy a few times. We did a benefit for a friend of ours who had cancer. Uh, You know, every now and then, Gene will let him off the leash, and he gets to play with him. (laughs) Cool. And so, obviously, your relationship with Tommy is is still quite good. And uh, has he heard the new Black and Blue record? I'm sure he probably has, right? I just talked to him about four days ago, and he's in Canada with Kiss right now. And he told me, he goes, by the way, I ordered the record off Amazon. <laughs> he goes, I got oh, that's it. great. He goes, it, it's really, really good. He goes, you guys should be really proud of yourselves. He goes, it's awesome. Yeah, I so, couldn't yeah. agree more. It's a great, great record. One of my favorite songs, Hail, Hail. Any stories behind that one? Uh, you know, that was uh, a lot of that was penned by Jeff Whoop Warner. And he just, you know, he played it for me. And I thought, hmm, this is killer. He played me his demo, so we went in and, and worked it out, and, you know, uh, I kind of added a couple of St. James touches in there, but, it's, you know, it, it really is a great song. It's a, you know, it wouldn't be a black and blue album without some kind of an anthem on there, so there you go. And now you mentioned Gene Simmons uh, earlier, and you actually have quite a history with, with Gene yourself and, and the Kiss guys. You wrote a song on the Carnival of Souls album. Yeah. Any thoughts on that record? It's it's one of those records which you either love it or hate it. It was kind of a, a in a way an odd record for Kiss. Uh, any thoughts on that album? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it is an odd record for them, and it's funny because him and I, Gene and I, did a demo at his house for that song, and 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 I went down to the studio, and when they were recording the record. And he goes, oh, yeah, you want to hear it? Sure, let's go in my car. And he plays me the, the song. I go, it sounds just like the demo. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, that's what we were going for. Right. Cool. So I, I just thought, wow, okay, well, whatever, you know. I mean, it, it's a really weird, raw Kiss record. It's, it's odd. But, uh, hey, you know, I mean, uh, Gene asked me to help him out, so I did it. That's great. Now, being a Kiss fan, how did you and Tommy first hook up with Gene to even have him come and produce Black and Blue? We, uh, in 1985, we went on a tour with KISS. Uh, when Without Love came out, uh, it was for KISS, it was the Asylum tour. Right. And they took us on the road with them. So, I mean, that year we played Madison Square Garden. That was pretty cool, you know. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, we toured with KISS and got to know them. And it was, you know, it was a, it was a, that was the first time I had ever met him. And at the end of the tour, we were getting ready to probably start writing and do another record. And I basically asked Gene if he wanted to, uh, produce us and he said i'd be a fool not to so um that's we great in with him you know and, and you know it was a great time period because it, that was right when gene was getting into producing and it was just a great mix black and blue and gene and then i also wanted to ask you how did it come about that jonathan kane uh came in to do i'll be there for you which was a great song and video and uh, of course uh talking metal listeners jonathan kane was from journey the babies bad english yeah, well, that was set up by Geffen. That wasn't even going to be on the record. We did that for a movie soundtrack. Okay. Um, 
And so we re- we went in totally separate with Jonathan Kane. He pr- he produced it. We did a you know just a, a, a we went to the studio just to record that song for a movie. And when Geffen heard it, they said we're not no, it's not going in the movie. It's going on the record. On the record. So wow. go, they said that's the single. So, right. Okay. Well, you know, we I mean, you we didn't have any choice about it. I didn't think it fit the record really well as a whole. You know, in, in a balance, it's a great song, but yeah, it was kind of a. It, it it just didn't seem to flow with the rest of nasty nasty, but you know, it, it's what it, it's what it was. Great tune, and then of course Gene was with you again uh, during the recording of In Heat. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that we wanted with Gene was we wanted a little more control. We were trying to not let the record company tell us what to do so much, which they always did, which sometimes was great, and other times. Not so great, you know. Uh, we would never get a choice on, on, on certain things like picking our singles and stuff. Um, so we thought if we had Gene, we would have more power because he would be more on our side than the label side. So right. that, that was kind of the, the, the thought. Um, but by the time we did In Heat, it was a, there were some killer, killer songs on In Heat. Um, there was some great stuff, but we were a little bit... Uh, a little panicky, you know, because it was like we did. We they, they kept and told us no video. We're going to give you some tour support, but no, you know, it's, we just thought, oh, this is this is not good. So, and then Gene tried to actually buy us off of Geffen. Wow. He offered them a huge amount of money. He says, I want them on Simmons Records. Wow. I want this to be on my label, and they go, no, we're not going to. Well, we will not sell them because they'll make we'll make our money back on them, and if they pop, we got them. If they don't, they're done. Wow. So it was a pretty weird position to be in. And besides Gene Simmons, you also worked with some really other big name producers. Could you talk a little bit about who else Black and Boo recorded with? Yeah, our first record was done with Dieter Dirks, who, if people don't know it, he does all the he did all the Scorpion stuff, all the early stuff, except you know, all, too, the, yeah. all the killer yeah. stuff, you know. Um, and we picked him. We actually went into the studio with somebody else here in uh, Los Angeles, and it was just sounding like not good. What they had done before was Jackson Brown, and and that 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 was their and Don Henley. That was their thing. They didn't understand what we wanted to do, so we ended up picking Dieter Dirks, and we got him. Uh, our second record was huge, uh, getting Bruce Fairburn and Bob Rock together wow. uh, to to produce that and engineer that record. Um, that was a that was our choice, and Geffen made it happen. And it was a, you know, it was a, obviously a really great choice because they went on to do many, many, many great things after us. So. And how was it working with Bruce? I, I know some, I've heard even like Paul Stanley wasn't real happy, I think, when Kiss worked with him. You know what, well, he was a nice guy and he was a great guy. I will say that without Bob Rock, it, I don't think it would have worked. But with Bob Rock and him, it was fine. You know, Bruce was more of a kind of a managing guy. You know, he and he's he has a musical sense. You know, he he's been in bands. You know, and but I, I think without Bob Rock, it wouldn't have been the same thing. You know, Bob brought a lot to the table, so that's 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 why it worked. If you don't have Bob Rock with Bruce Fairburn, you didn't have the right combo. Mm, interesting. Now, how did you guys hook up with Frontier Records? Frontiers Records. Um, we were on Z Records, and they had given us money, and it had long been spent. Uh, we needed money to do the, to finish the record. Z Records was kind of more doing live shows. We didn't we didn't think that they were really going to get behind the record like we thought they would in the beginning. So uh, I just told my manager, "You got to get us another label. You got to get us a, a new label, and we need more money because otherwise, this you know we're, we're not going to be able to finish this record." So he did it. I mean, we we sent some songs to Frontiers, and they jumped on us. 
So, and they gave us, they bought us off Z Records and gave us more money to finish it, and they saved the day, by, you know, for sure. Very cool. Hey, Jamie, this is Eric. I just, uh, I had a question. Uh, how you doing, man? Um, I had a question for you, just about your web presence actually and finding out what's going on with black and blue and i i mean i don't know if you were listening before you called in but we were kind of chatting about you get you, you know you guys and um you know i know the record was announced like a few years back you know there was an announcement you know hell yeah it's coming and then it's you know you you just explain why you know what took so long and everything and it finally had to gel in the right way uh but yeah what's going on with black and blue going forward from like let's say right now, what's going on for the next you know rest of the year touring, or are you guys staying in the states, going to Europe, more Canada, or any touring? Uh, you know what? There's nothing set up right now. Uh -huh. um, it's we we wanted to play anywhere we could in America this summer. We're trying to get, but it's we're a little bit late in the game. By the time the record came out, our booking sure. agent was kind of fighting to get us stuff. We did the M3 festival, you know, a while back, and that yeah. was that was very cool. Um, and we were trying to get onto some more festivals, but I think we're a little late in the game. So uh, we're we're doing this Monsters of Rock cruise in February with Cinderella and Tesla and but Kicks and a ton of bands. Uh, but we're like basically looking for those kind of gigs. As far as Europe goes, we'd love to do it, but uh, you know, there's no plans right now. I, and you see, the thing about it is, is we just I, we're we're told our our booking agent that you know get us some fly-ins, get us to fly to get get us to the East Coast, get us to you know, the, you know get us to Texas, get us to some places where we're doing well, and uh, just do a fly-in here and there. But, but we're not going to get in a van and play crappy clubs and go out there sure. and, and yeah. you know kill ourselves. We're just not into that anymore. But uh, <laughs> we're trying, man. We're trying to get out there. It's a tough economy, so let's see if we can do it. Absolutely. And Jamie, I wanted to ask you, you were obviously in, in Warrant for quite some time. What happened with, with that whole situation, and why didn't you continue with them? Uh, I was in that, that, that band for four years, and it was basically just a touring situation at first, and then we decided to do a record, you know, and we, we did that. And, uh, you know, it was basically a gig to go out and tour and play, and basically one day they sat me down and said, look, Danny Lane's good. We're going to have him back. We got some good offers. If he can be in, if he's back in the band, we got, we're going to have a, a good thing going. I said, okay, well, I, I figured, you know what? I mean, that's the way it should be. So that's cool. Um, and so I went to, to go forward with the black and blue stuff. I thought, okay, now this gives me a time to let's get this record finished and let's, you know, put, get black and blue out to play some gigs. And I guess, it, you know, I mean, as it turns out, it didn't last that long. You know, they, they, uh, I don't know how how many shows he ended up doing, but it wasn't what they expected, you know, and it just kind of fell apart. And so then they they called up Robert Mason and got him. So huh. I, I was fine with it because I just wanted to do Black and Blue. So you know, it's all cool. They were just, they're trying to do what they can without their original singer, and that's tough, you know. Right. It's tough. Now, Jamie, uh, you know, professionally you're known as a lead singer, but you actually started out on drums. And uh, tell us about your childhood and who were your influences and all that. And then I know that you uh, were a big Peter Chris fan. You know, I I started out learning how to play guitar, and I and I kept that up well enough to be able to write songs. So I, I write a lot of a lot of the tunes. You know, I write a lot for Black and Blue. Um, I that was the first thing I ever did. And then I wanted to get a drum kit, so I did. By the, by the time I was 14, I was playing drums, and so I just played drums and, and kept on, you know, practicing guitar just to get chords and figure stuff out. But uh, I did not become a lead singer until 1981 when we formed Black and Blue. I was a wow. drummer all the way up until then. Oh, um, and, and I was, a, you know, I sang a lot of backgrounds, and, you know, I would sing some... I, I thought it was dumb to be a singing drummer, so I didn't really want to do that too much. I just did a lot of the backgrounds, what I knew I could sing. 
but anyway, it just uh, it, there was no other guy in Portland, Oregon that could be a lead singer. So I just said I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna get Pete Holmes to play drums because I know he can kick ass. So <laughs> yeah, basically, that's that's how it, it was out of necessity because there was nobody in Portland that I trusted to front my band. And when we when I left the band that me and Tommy were in, we purposely left it to form Black and Blue. So now, what age did you leave Cleveland? Cleveland? I was only in Cleveland for about three years. Oh, okay. Cleveland, I, I, I lived in Cleveland from like 99 to 2002 or something like that. Oh, that okay. Short, short run. I, I, I was born in Portland, Oregon, grew up in Portland, Oregon, lived in L.A. most of my life, and I just I, I went to Cleveland for just a few years as an experiment, but it was cool. <laughs> cool. And uh, we're kind of he heavy metal history buffs here on Talking Metal, and I wanted to ask you about being part of – what a lot of people point to is such a important album in heavy metal history. That's the Metal Massacre, the uh, the first Metal Massacre. You guys were on that, but only the second pressing. Is that correct? Yeah, um, we weren't on the original. Somebody somebody uh, pulled out. I don't remember which band it was, but somebody decided they didn't want to be on it. And so well, I, I guess Brian Slagle called us up and said, "Listen, I, I, you guys were my other choice to be on this thing." Because we sent him our demo. It was the first demo we ever made. And uh, so we said, okay, sure. So we got on it, you know, the, the second time around. And I don't remember who it was that bailed out, but kind of glad they did because it gave us a, a little notoriety all of a sudden out of nowhere. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. And it was interesting. Just on a side note, I, I was reading that the Metallica then re-recorded their, their song that was on that record for that second pressing because they didn't like the, the way the original one sounded. So... Interesting. You know, I, I think ours didn't sound all that great either. I mean, but that was back in the days when we were young, didn't have any money, had nothing, you know, and just were trying to get any kind of a demo we could get together. So, but, you know, it was a, it was a little part of metal history, at least for that, at that time period, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'd love to uh, feature some of your, your new music off the Hell Yeah record right now. What would you like to play for the uh, Talking Metal listeners? Nah, let's play Target. Great. Thanks so much, Jamie. And where's the best place the Talking Metal listeners can get in touch with you online? Facebook. We got Black and Blue on Facebook and Jamie St. James on Facebook. Probably Black and Blue is good because I'm topped off with 5,000 people. But uh, go find me on Facebook, Black and Blue. Excellent. Great. Jamie, thanks so much, man, for coming on Talking Metal. And as a longtime fan, I really appreciate it. And uh, we hope to hook up with you guys in person uh, when you're in the New York area. Well, cool. Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate the help. Thank you. And cool. this is Target by Black and Blue.
That was Electric Love by Kill, also produced by the one and only Gene Simmons. Yeah, the, Kiss. the right to rock. What a great, another yeah, one of those bands like Black and Blue, right. you know, who never quite cracked the top, if you will, in my, in my humble opinion. And that's n- no disrespect towards Ron Keel, who's been on the podcast, and uh, yeah. Jamie, who we just uh, spoke with. A big Talking Metal Toast. I am drinking talking metal toast. Red Stag. I've never had this before. Yeah. Let's do a Talking Metal Toast with everybody else here. We got a special guest, Nejan, here hanging out with us. John's friend is dropped by the studio. Uh, full house. We got Jody working the, the board. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal. Uh, listening, su- We're listener supported, and I'd like to thank you guys. There's been a few donations to PayPal. Excellent. I owe you some money, John. Oh, hey, no uh, we've sold a few, not much, don't get too excited. But they, yeah. uh, we've sold a few t-shirts, which is also nice. Thank you for your support. Use the links in today's show notes to open up your iTunes, and that'll 
take you over to Black and Blue, and you can download the song Target uh, that you just heard, and you can buy a bunch of other music while you're on iTunes. We get a kickback on everything you buy, so like 3 to 5%. Uh, there's also Amazon links on Talking Metal. I know a lot of you guys shop on Amazon, so before you go to Amazon, just go to TalkingMetal.com and use those links to open up your Amazon. You can send me cash, which I will split with John in the mail. No one has sent cash yet, huh. but we are awaiting um, the cash to arrive cash donation. at right. uh, Mark Striegel, P.O. Box 404, Maplewood, New Jersey, 07040. Uh, again, just put TM on the envelope, and I will split it with uh, with John. If you don't put it, Mark will keep it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. No, I'm just joking. No, Mark, I, I have to tell you, Mark, you've been doing such an amazing job with Talking Metal, with the website, with everything. And Guys, listeners, please uh, still have faith in me. I've been working very hard on the book uh no regrets with ace Frehley, and i've been out in the road with ace and so i've been in about 10 15 different cities in the last month and it's it's really an awesome experience to do that but i do want to thank mark for keeping talking metal oh, yeah. alive well, you're you're keeping it alive too and i appreciate you changing the site so i can so mark uh, can update, update it with my limited uh <laughs> mental capacity uh paypal uh, i did after much um after about working a day on it i was able to add the paypal widget to our oh, site very so, very cool yeah, yeah no it's great. thanks to chiaki who pointed out no, that it chiaki, wasn't right. uh wasn't working uh, as he donated five dollars to very the, very the cool so thanks to chiaki for for the not only the donation but pointing out that our paypal button did not work hey uh, you know what mark i wanted to tell you uh speaking of me being out with ace that i was lucky enough to meet a bunch of great talking metal fans and listeners from both the tv show the podcast the radio show everything out in the road in different cities so uh you guys are keeping Talking Metal alive, and we are grateful eternally, and we thank you for doing is it. Is this yes. officially part of the O-Files, or should we begin the, the O-Files? The, the latest I, mishaps of John Astronomy. <laughs> no, no, no. I think we're going to save those for the final 30 or 15 minutes yeah, of the show. A little teaser to keep the, uh, the listeners yes. going. Stay yeah. tuned. Stay tuned. What we want to do now is talk to our good friend Eric, yeah, the Eric, metal definitely. expert, uh, because he has to leave around 9 p.m. Yes, he does. What, what do you got going on at 9 p.m., Eric? Uh, well, after a 14-hour drive from Caribou, oh, that's right, yeah. Caribou, Maine. Maine. Uh, Possibly just sleeping. Population Caribou. Um, and then driving to D.C. and then back to New York all oh since last God. night. So, Jeez. Yeah, I don't know where I am. And uh, yeah. what, what took you to Caribou, Maine and to D.C.? J- July 4th. Oh, cool. July 4th. Yep. Uh, decided to go somewhere where it was 48 degrees at night. And uh, wow. boy, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there were more signs warning of moose than people. Wow. So, yeah. I've never seen a moose in real life. You know, they're, I, they're kind of a bizarre biological, like, crapshoot because it looks like a camel and a horse. And somehow, strangely enough, a German shepherd all had a really fun night. And uh, supposedly they're really, they're like the rhinos of the north. They're dangerous. If they yeah, see, they, they will attack you. If you see them, you're supposed to, like, find a tree because the only thing wow. they can't do is climb trees. But that's huh. coming. They'll figure that out, I'm sure. A little uh, aside. Yeah. My childhood nickname, and it still lasts to this day among my family moose. in Pennsylvania, is Moose. Moose. So, very nice. good. Mine's, hey. mine's Bones. Always bones. has been. Bones. bones. Yeah. Yeah. Still. Yeah. So, guys, there's oh, a, a weird uh, situation happening right now on alternative uh, rock radio. Uh, There's a band, I don't know if you guys have heard of this band, My Morning Jacket. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they have a, a hit single right now called... 
holding on to black metal and it's about wow. i guess it's about black metal they're like <laughs> I talk, heard it yet, yeah, yeah let's let's do it just uh, we won't sound sample yeah a little here. sound sample what, what jody if you, uh, if you can uh work the boards for us this is the mics up this is my morning jacket with uh holding on to black metal kind of uh definitely not a black metal song yeah. if you will but Sounds like uh, Here, let me James Bond or something. Yeah. Not Jamie St. James, but the, the old TV show, The Saint. No, okay. Okay, that's that's good. Yeah, they sing about it's, it's like the lyrics are about Lucifer and stuff, and then it gets to the chorus. But and, it's it's really yeah. Not, let's get the chorus. Hold okay, on, hold okay, on. put it back up. Here you go. So there you go. That's you know, what all no the cool kids are listening band, to but, right uh, now. Yeah, I don't know. Are they qualified to sing about black metal? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm they're making sure. fun of it. And they were talking about Lucifer and stuff. I thought yeah. black metal was more about the whole Viking era and anti-Christian and other other. You actually, know. anti all religions, from what I understand. From my understanding, that band though, they I mean, they have you know tendril roots in metal i mean they, oh, they, they really do so those yeah. guys are kind of like metal guys who are now really Play cool other stuff. and they're playing yeah. this weird stuff yeah and i think they're not that this matters but they're a state i would not have predicted them from not a lot of bands come out of is kentucky wow oh, there you yeah. go yeah i will I go on record that saying either. that i actually like this song so uh, oh, okay. it sounds yeah. like a james yeah. bond intro like yeah. you, you, you expect to see credits yeah you like, know what i when i mentioned i don't know if you guys heard me but it was like under under the music i had mentioned a, a show called the saint and yeah. uh do you know that show yeah I, roger I knew, moore yeah exactly so i got that vibe too so maybe it's a cool song yeah, I like it. I don't know. I suppose most talking metal listeners. It chews into our it. talking about Udo, but sure. Yeah. Yes, yes, Udo. <laughs> Not that I don't. I think we might have beaten the Udo horse, uh, uh, you know, as much as we can. But uh, what other uh, songs have you heard recently that you uh, like, Eric? While we have you in the studio, um, and is there anything we could play? Two bands that I think should be in 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 the Retardo land of my mind, touring at least Greenland together as Night Ranger and Decapitated. Ooh, that's um, a both bizarre combination. Both new records are fantastic. Uh, the new Decapitated uh, coming, the band coming off a uh, an extremely tragic uh, accident where yeah, the, drummer the drummer was decapitated. So there, Man, there's some dark ironic. That's that, fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. So the, that, the drummer of Decapitated was decapitated. As far as I understand it, yeah. And uh, But Man. they've got the new band back together. They're, uh, it's their first album in five years and they're kind wow. of in that Meshuggah math metal, really extreme right. metal stuff. But uh, from a playing perspective, uh, it's fun to kind of parse and figure out what they're up to. But uh, good stuff. And then for just pure fun summer coming off Fourth of July convertible rock, uh, Night Ranger keeps going. They're on the they're on the uh, kind of on the state fair circuit and playing Mohegan Suns kind of you know gigs. That but uh, gig, right. but their new record, uh, Brag Mr. Brad Gillis, as Ozzy yeah. always referred to him as, Mr. Brad Gillis brings it once again, and it's a heavier record than they've done in the past few years, and uh, it's just. Uh, and who's in Night Ranger at this point? It's no Jeff Watson. No Jeff but Watson. Jack Blades is there. Oh yeah, yeah. Jack Blades is there. Uh, uh, Kelly Keegan is still there. Uh, Brad, and the there's a the new guitar player, but he's been in for a while. I think he's been in for a while, and I don't know. I always called him the surgeon. Remember the surgeon, the keyboardist who wore the surgical mask. Oh yeah, mask? he's still in the. Is, is he, he still? I'm in the pretty band? sure he's from, still in the band <laughs> from the Muppet Show. 
<laughs> no, not from. <laughs> just from sure, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was an important surge member of Nine Major because about, yeah, he, yeah. he sang guy. a lot of tunes at, along with, uh, I mean, like, they had multiple people singing in that song. He was, like, the only guy in the 80s, I think, who was in a video kind of con- consistently consistently every few months who had a full kind of like, beard. beard. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. He had a beard. He looked like a like an algebra teacher, yeah. but with... You know, Mr. Brad Gillis. Right, yeah, there you go. I interviewed uh, Brad and... No. Uh, Brad, of course, known for the Jack. whammy. And yeah. uh, Watson, known for the eight-finger Yeah, technique. the eight-finger yeah. technique, yeah. right. <laughs> and obviously Mr. Brad Gillis for the always seminal Speak of the Devil album. Yes, right. definitely. You know that red guitar he had? It was like a red Strat-shaped guitar. It was yeah. probably a Fernandez. I actually yeah. played that particular guitar a long time ago in an early, early Night Ranger show after he was in Ozzy. But, yeah. you, you know... You played. I the played actual... the physical guitar, the real <laughs> oh, wow. guitar. Then I I uh, snuck backstage in my hometown of Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and I went up to the guitar roadie. And okay, everyone at home, I'm, excuse me. That's that's yeah. the Johnstown, Pennsylvania moment of the night. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's so always at so least I played one, Brad yeah. Gills's guitar back in the day at the <laughs> War Memorial Arena, and I'm not sure what year that was, but it was you know. Sister Christian time, wherever that was. What year was that? It was eighty four, nineteen thirty eight. Nineteen thirty eight. Yeah, well, you had. I remember. Uh, you can no. Uh, don't tell me you love me. It was right. You can still record. rock in America. All those yeah, big yeah. which was the first record, and then uh, well, there was I, Dawn Patrol. Yeah, that's, I remember my that's friend the record. Yeah, Derek Sivers. The first time I ever jammed with him, he came over, and uh, Derek went on to found CD Baby many years later. But he came over to my friend Scott Lane, Lonnie Lane's basement, and uh, we could barely play. I mean, we were just struggling to get through Paranoid, and he came. Plugged in his, he brought his Marshall half stack over, and we wow. were playing like little tiny, like crate amps. <laughs> and he plugged in, he played, uh, you can still rock in America. Wow. Just solo, you know, as we sit there, like amazed. Yeah, yeah. amazed. Now, is yeah. Ronnie Lane, that wasn't SS Priest, was it? Uh, no, uh, no, that was, uh, SS Priest, uh, was a guy named Sean Freehill who right, went to right, my okay, high school right, right. and, uh, who, who I, I recently, uh, you know, I, I was Googled him just cause I figured that guy should have been a, a rock star. Sean. Right, right. He went, he went on, he was in a band called Toys and, and the, he, well, the Malls, right. Yeah. And he, he was just such a, a great musician and, and it looked like he engineered a few like wow. albums. I can't remember four non blondes or something. I, now, I don't know. Something, but he never really, he never really became the rock star that everybody had him pegged to, to be, be in high school. Um, now, who was the blonde guy that also was called SS Priest? That was a different guy. Yeah, well, the the, the I, what happened, the story I've read, and I actually had exchanged letters. This is pre-email days uh, with Sean Freehill, who I never really knew in high school, but. Um, we exchanged a couple letters. Actually, I think I sent him about four letters and he sent me one. But um, uh, he said that that he basically, because S.S. Priest, whoever his real name was, was tied to Diamond Rex. Right. That when DeMalls got s- signed, I, there's some, I, I, you know what, I'm going to have to go to but, Right, the, I forgot about internet. Diamond Rex. Yeah. But. Anyways, S.S. Priest was in DeMalls, uh, Sean Freehill, as S.S. Priest. And then... He the other got guy, kicked out or right. left after recording that first record, and they put the other guy, the other SS priests in the malls. Yeah, in the right. malls. Yeah, it was kind of confusing. There were basically Rex, were two yeah. SS priests. Yeah, uh, one of them who was a guy I went to school with. So yeah. Hey, I got their, I, their IMDb pages are very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now I, this is a question for Eric Bones of Steel. 
Do you remember two different things? There was once a Nikki Six controversy where there were apparently two different Nikki Sixes, yeah, and then that. there was a uh, controversy that uh, Tom Jones was uh, in Black Sabbath. Do you remember that? The Nikki Six one faintly sounds familiar, yeah. but you're talking about what's new, Pussycat? Tom Jones was yes, there in was Judas Kerrang, Priest. No, in Sabbath, and oh, I Sabbath. swear to God that Kerrang did like a two page really? thing that Tom Jones was now in Black Sabbath, and you know, they they had drawings <laughs> of the stage and everything, but then it was like some kind of a hoax. You know what yeah. I would say to that? I would say, don't let the details get in the way of a good story. Right. Yes, Tom Jones officially was in Black Sabbath for nine years. Let's yeah, just say right, that, right. and uh, yeah. Yeah. Now the funny th- stage name, yeah. Tony Martin. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, now, exactly. the, the weird thing, though, and I swear to God, I think I used to have the Kerrang! where there were detailed diagrams. Now, maybe Kerrang! was just playing a joke on people, but it, when I got the Kerrang! magazine, I didn't get the joke, and I was like, oh, my God, this is nuts. But the, the crazy Nikki Six one is that there was this guy who literally went out and got all the tattoos that Nikki Six had at that point, and then he claimed that... Uh, he was in Motley Crue early, early on, but then he had to go to jail for some incident, and then they got the current Nikki Six in the the band. replacement. Nikki yeah, Six. yeah. So the, yeah. this guy, so but yeah, that wow. was it was just a takeoff of the Paul is dead thing, right, you know. Right. But but yeah. Well, there was another. There was a, a band called Six Pack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a Guns N' Roses uh, thing that happened like that. It's about ten Mike years Portnoy ago. Too. Well, do you remember Stephen Adler had an impersonator running around Manhattan, checking into hotel rooms, going to bars, wow. running up tabs, and Man, sounds familiar. as him and, fi- and you know crashed on people's floors and ba- but but it was all over like a f- it was like a 50 hour lost weekend i mean he just tore through manhattan running up bar bills staying places free crashing doing drugs partying with people and people finally figured out well wow, oh, this isn't the right this guy is not right? Him. Yeah. yeah well mike portnoy the same thing actually that there was, a, yeah, there was a fake yeah. mike portnoy going around and uh, jeez Wow. It's really yeah. weird. It's so odd for the oh, you know what? There, there are free people, time. There are people that there's a couple of fake Gene Simmonses that are going around, <laughs> and they they kind of look. There's one. There's one or two different guys, uh, and they they look a lot like Gene, and they don't really go up to people and say they're Gene, but they kind of pretend they're Gene, and because like the average person off the street might have seen Family Jewels, but they aren't big kiss fans so they see a guy that kind of looks like him and they think that it's him and what what's crazy if i if i were gene i'd be upset that there are people trying to get perks in restaurants and different things by dressing up like gene you know black fingernails you know that gene style haircut and you know like giving gene a bad name in my opinion Actually, I walk around town uh, partying and sleeping on floors and running up big bar tabs, and everyone thinks I'm bud friendly. And at the end of the night, what I do is I tell them I'm not. <laughs> I like that. I like there that. I am, can That's be my own up. imposter. Now, but haven't you, paid a bar tab. Are you, haven't paid any child support. Do you wear the mask? Of, uh, it's not a mask. It's uh, a, okay, that's, it's that's a skin, skin condition. Skin. Okay, that's skin right. condition. Very good. Sorry. Let's check out the new. This is new, decapitated, right, Eric? No, no, no. I th- are we going to do Decapitated? Do you want to do What do you want to do? We got Night Ranger or Decapitated or <laughs> possibly both. <laughs> it is truly up to you. I, I, I'd say let's go with Mr. Brad Gillis. Okay. First. Yeah, let's warm, do it. warm up to the Decapitated. Right, right. We can't just get right into that. Okay, <laughs> cool. Let's start with a little Night Ranger right now on Talking Metal. New Night Ranger.
And we're back. Don't call the cops. It's just us talking metal live. Night Ranger here on Talking Metal. What? What? Eric, what was that song called? Uh, Lay it on me. Lay it on me. I, I may have. Cool. Yeah, I actually ran to the bathroom during this, <laughs> song, so I didn't actually hear it. I hope it was good. I'm Is told it? it was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great tune. Those guys are really great guys. I first met Kelly at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp when I was working, which I still am with Gibson Guitars. So uh, he's a cool guy, and uh, you know, I was really psyched to meet Jack and uh, Brad as well when I did the interview. The Talking Metal ch uh, chat uh, on the Talking Metal forums is going, and we have Chief Beck checking in saying, Sister Christian ruined this band. Uh, true you know to that have. statement? Yeah. I think it took, it, I mean, it was a 20-year hangover is what it did. But uh, I think the song actually is power ballad nonsense ended up taking off after that song. I think uh, it got its... Uh, vindication in boogie nights when the guy is lighting off firecrackers in the cocaine house like that song just took on a whole new fun meeting with alfred molina running around with his house boy and that song just cranked so loud that the speakers are buzzing yeah it, 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 it's, a, it's a fun song now in that context when uh when i was uh jamming with my friend uh ranger x terry Car yes. Caramori, uh and lonnie lane lonnie scott lane uh the same basement that Derek Sivers came down and, and wow. dazzled us with his fast finger uh, work on the fretboard. Uh, Lonnie Lane's dad used to come down and test the PA, which he wow. bought, he bought for us to, oh, to practice man, with. And he'd go, Sister Christian, he come oh, down he'd and sing yeah, that. Yeah, and he'd sing that song <laughs> in the great. PA. Good memories. Yeah, very good. The, uh, I that remember, is an I equivalent Lonnie to Lane. Johnstown, Pennsylvania memory, but yes. somewhere west, I imagine. Yeah, of that. no one knows what I'm talking about. That but anyways, was in Hinsdale, correct? Yeah, oh, the great. You know, Hinsdale, every yeah. every person to this day that says they're from Chicago, I go, "Hey, I have some friends from Hinsdale." Like yeah. every single person, like you cannot get me to not say that when somebody mentions Chicago. Hinsdale was an interesting town because I, I swear to God, I went to the Hinsdale Central High School, and in the '80s when metal was just booming. There was like no one who who liked metal at Hinsdale Central. Wow. It was a uh, it was a very preppy. There was like <laughs> there was like the smoking section crowd. Get this guys, get this kiddies. What Back in they... the eighties, <laughs> kids could legally smoke it at school. <laughs> and I, oh, yeah, yeah. So there yeah, was I a mean, smoking section. That is insane. Yeah, it, it, you, all you had to that. do, all you had to do, was get a uh, your your the parents mom to, like, to write sign a... a little ditto. They call them. Uh, guys don't probably know what dittos are. Dittos are this, this is the mimeograph. Yeah. Thing. yeah. Yeah, yeah, diddle You just paper, take right? it home and say, I give, you know, Morse code, Grace, whoever, Park, mimeograph, you know, permission to smoke at school. At school. Yeah, and, and, and of course, the kids, you just sign that themselves, right, you right. know, and, and then you'd come back. And yeah, if you got an actual signature from a parent on that, your yeah, parents well, were hoodlums, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the 80s yeah. was different, you know. <laughs> that the, is the funniest thing ever. So, so there were um, there were a few metalheads in the Hinsdale Central smoking section. who were uh, hanging in the smoking section? section. What did they but I never, I, I wasn't, right. I was a nerd. I like, you know, I was in jazz band and, and, and dug metal. So not only did the jocks hate me, but the, the smoking, smoking section guys. people didn't get me either because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't smoke, you know. Um, so it was a it was a lonely existence there hey, at Hinsdale Central. But anyways, uh, name two metal bands hilarious. from Chicago. Two metal. Two bands? of the biggest wow. metal. If you can just, just give me a couple of metal bands from Chicago. Uh, metal bands. Well, you had Trouble uh, from Chicago, right? Trouble. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about uh, E Trope? Mm. E Trope. 
Uh, that, that's that getting a little scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not metal, but commercial pop metal. Enough's enough, obviously. Right, enough's enough's enough. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the bands we used to go see in the clubs were bands like Paradox, Hammer On, Diamond Rex. Right. Um, you know, uh, Diamond trying, Rex. There you go. Yeah. Trying to think of there was another. Uh, Band that I used to go see. Uh, Damien Thorne was a band <laughs> that I used to go see in the clubs. Yeah, in Chicago. Did you ever watch the show The Chicago Code? No. It's, a, it's it. a show on either Fox or ABC, and the theme song is sung by Billy Corgan. Not oh, written, but sung. Good show. Cop show. Cool. So uh, let's see. Chief Beck checked back in. Didn't Ozzy say that 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 he encouraged Brad Gillis to leave and pursue Night Ranger? I think he said that on Talking Metal. He probably uh, did. It's very possible he said that. You know on what, what's Metal. funny is that Ozzy, Ozzy also said on yeah. Talking Metal that uh, Brad Gillis replaced Jakey Lee. <laughs> yeah. no, I was like, my favorite thing yeah. that Ozzy said, and I have to go on record and saying that both times we interviewed Ozzy, he was so cool and so together, and uh, you know, nothing like that you would think he would be on, as if you only watch the Osbournes, but. The one thing I thought it was funny, he's like, what's that guy's name? And it was Brad Gillis. He's like, what was that guy that was a guitar player? In the yeah, band? I'm sure, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, sure chronology said, is some kind of He looked at John, he's like, what's yeah. that guy? He was in Night Ranger. What was his <laughs> name? <laughs> I swear yeah, to God, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, what's the guy from Night Ranger? And uh, what was so funny is we told him, I think we asked him, like, uh, how was it playing with Jakey Lee? And he was kind of blind, and or uh, he might have been blind. And he was like, I didn't know that. Like. No, he said that's not true, but it's, oh, uh, okay. I, apparently online. Yeah, I'm not saying that Jakey Lee is true. blind, but I think, think he He's did have a vision blind, legally yeah, blind, yeah. right? Which I feel so sorry about, but. Yeah, I don't know. It happens if you masturbate too much, I understand. That's what they always used to tell me. I mean, Jakey Lee is one of these interesting guys, much like a Vinnie Vincent. A mysterious who, right, guy. Mysterious, so, yeah. so big, um, you know, in the metal crowd, hard rock crowd, if you will, and just virtually disappeared off the planet. I mean, we've seen some little clips of Jakey Lee. He was jamming, jamming in, in Las Vegas or something, like a Las cover Vegas, band. Right. Yeah, or I don't even know. Yeah, I always wonder band, about but... these guys like Vinnie Vincent or, or a, well, a you Jakey. Hear about like, how, do they, how does he buy Diet Coke? Like, yeah. does he work at Kinko's? I mean, right. he like, doesn't, what, royalty does he checks money? aren't just pouring right. in. Yeah, he has a know. job somehow. I mean, I didn't get into it with, with Jamie from Black and Blue, but clearly Black and Blue is, you know, an itinerant sort of project. I mean, they don't have, like he said, we're not booked through the end of the year. Right. So he's got some other life that he does. Yeah. And Black and Blue is something they, they check in. You know, he's actively pursuing, yeah. but still, like, it's not a 24-hour-day job. Right. But it's like a Vinnie Vincent guy who's clearly been out of the mix for 20 uh, well, years have or you, more. Did you hear what happened recently? Well, oh, yeah, yeah. The follow Let's talk about too. this. Yeah. We, we have not yet had oh, you a haven't talked. Metal. You haven't no, talked we, about this yet? No, well, we I talked not. about it on one of the solo oh, episodes. Solo episodes. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's bring it up once more <laughs> since we've got the round table with this, uh, group here. Vinnie Vincent... Guy who nobody knew what was going on with the guy for many, many years is back in the news because he had a domestic dispute. And then what was even weirder is that when the police came, they found uh, multiple dead dogs in plastic bins, which yeah. were apparently discovered to be temporary graves. Yeah. So and what he issued a statement yeah. hinting I, at that this horrible press and situation has somehow brought him closer together with loved ones that he's he's been removed from which right. i took to be his possibly his twin daughters that right. He, right i think he, that he had with members. a wife Vinny had a, a previous wife who was murdered right because yeah. she was a, a secretary or an assistant by day and uh, some kind of weird uh call girl slash prostitute same thing 
by night. Yeah. Keep and, it classy, Connecticut. Some, yeah, somebody We're in Connecticut. Two jobs. An ex-con, is. yeah, t- an ex-con killed her, and and her, oh, her twin daughters were wondering why their mom didn't pick them up from school, and here she was killed by this guy, and that was that was a complete tragedy. And then Vinny, of course, uh, it, the, it comes out now that he's married. But what the weirdest thing about Vinny Vincent, and I am a huge Vinny Vincent fan, is that. The the rumors were that Vinnie Vincent was on the verge of becoming a woman, and and what was weird is the only photo of Vinnie released in the last, other than his mugshot, maybe the last ten years, was him holding up a, a poster of himself that was signed when they were doing the uh, Kiss World store in Australia, and he you couldn't see his entire body, and then you saw some kind of shoes that looked possibly like they could have been like slippers or something, and so. <laughs> It, it kind of kept it going because it was it like, looked okay. like he bought those shoes at the limited. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it was a weird in thing the, in the female department. I, mean, there, I don't even know if there's a male department in the limited. It, I'm assuming there's not. Right. Ace, Ace was asked about this even once. And he said, hey, man, I, I don't know. But, you know, if, if whoever wants to do whatever they want to do, go for it. Who cares? Like, you know, he was he, he wasn't saying anything negative about that. And but it was just weird that the rumor was so strong that it would, you know, you know, journalists were talking about it. So right. Well, we it's we weird. traced that back through uh, our investigative. Oh, yes, work. right. That's which right. you've and, talked to the guy. Right? Yeah. Uh, to um, there was a kiss convention that 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 he was at somewhere, Atlanta or somewhere, and and afterwards they took Vinny out to dinner. I think you guys have all heard me tell this story. We're telling and, you. Uh-huh. And 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 at the dinner, these nerdy excuse. If they're listening, which I know they're not, I'm sorry, but you guys are nerds. These nerdy <laughs> Kiss fans had Vinny there who had thrown the convention, and they said, so what are you up to next? And he said, my wife and I are going to get a sex change. Oops, somebody's cell phone going off. Um, and uh, I think that's where that rumor that started. started. Yeah, now, I have so. a, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that he was pulling their leg. Right, I think so, too. And it kind yeah. of it kind of the, that it went so over these guys' heads. They didn't really get it right. because, let's face it, the guy – wears mascara and buys his shoes in the women's department right, of the limited. Right, right. So it's like, you know, they, they brought, oh my gosh, you know. Uh, yeah, but- and then it kind of spiraled out of control. And then here's what is so crazy, though, is that Vinny has successfully been able to live this life where no one knew where he was and what was going on. And then this happens, and then there's this n- news piece from Nashville where you see, and this is what I think was hilarious. You see, like, the reporter standing there, and you see, like, reminds me when I was, like, you know, living in the outskirts of some rural town. Th- there's, like, these, like, you know, 10-year-old kids riding their bikes behind, like, the newscaster right in front of Vinny's house. So now everyone knows exactly where Vinny Vincent lives. Yeah. Well, and, uh, who's gonna, no one's going to really apply that knowledge in any, any way. Yeah. Yeah. way. Other yeah. than crazy Kiss fans, though, because Kiss fans will well, it, go down. I think there. it's much more like the 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 hunt is better than the catch. If he puts out a new record, you just plan on possibly being the, you yeah. know the lower expectations rule should really yeah. r- rule here. But well, I have some other kind of crazy news about him that's uh, from earlier in the year, pre Dead Dog domestic violence pre pre d uh in january at the nam convention out in anaheim guitar yeah i had a friend at the vinnie vincent booth right was he he, working here we just went there he was not there and uh my my buddy my buddy ethan i'll I'll say was texting me constantly and sending me photos met his wife and said that uh okay so that was vinnie's wife vinnie's wife was the only person there that he was talking to and and uh my buddy ethan is a uh, long time fan like us fascinated by this the kook ball that is Vinnie Vincent so he's right. talking to her 
looked, uh, and he didn't have any kind words visually to say about her, but uh, said she was just completely strange and squirrely, and he was asking questions, not trying to pry too much, but, you know, what's up? You know, you got this guitar. What's Vinny doing? Well, he's working on this and that, and, you know, she was trying to be the face of this kind of amorphous, nebulous company, but it's not a company. Right. Right. He's basically got this guy who's a... Like, I don't know. You might got. You might know more about this guy who's building this guitar. Yeah, no, I know nothing about. But they, about but him, they I mean, they rented a booth at Nam. That's not right. cheap to do. Right. They had, you know, they had latex signage guitars, made up. Right. Yeah, oh yeah. They how, had a full how thing. Much, and how he much? said no one was there. Yeah. Like he, he spent, you know, a half an hour there. No one there. Right. It was very creepy. Jeez. They were over in the corner. Like no. And these guys everybody were, was were going for a lot bins. of money. <laughs> like, yeah. What's that? I said I, the guitars. Apparently, the prices on them was like outrageous, like you know, heavy duty. How many like, people? <laughs> in, you're an expert. Let's face right. it. You know everything about Kiss that there is yeah. to know. How, how many people, realistically, guesstimation, uh-huh. would buy this Vinnie Vincent uh, signature model? <laughs> you don't have to oh, be signature kind model. Of, I'm yeah, talking, talking about the guitar the, that he's putting out. No, this new guitar, whatever the they want to call it, that he's putting I'd out. I'd say. 25 25 and how much is he charging for it um i think it's like three grand right so at least if at least two to four or five grand something something like like that so maybe he can pay for that booth at uh is is he delusional does he think he's way more famous than he than he is no i I think worldwide i mean he could put out something online on itunes and make a couple of bones i mean i am adjusting the number (laughs) to a hundred a hundred. A hundred. Okay. I, heard, I heard inside every guitar is a dead dog. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, here's maybe, the story maybe, on the dead dog. Maybe hundred. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm basing this on, uh, you know, how many people have a lot of money to, to buy one of these guitars? Now, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 300. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. By the way, if you haven't seen the guitar, it's not timely. It, it, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a singular I thing. I no, mean, personally, I would buy the guitar if I had three extra thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's a Vinnie Vincent guitar. So if you I haven't seen it. it, do imagine what you will. But it looks like all the coco- you know cocaine decisions that went into the visual aspect of the band in the eighties. Yeah. Now, so yeah. I, I, mean, I would buy the guitar, but I spent all my money on women's slippers. There you go. <laughs> right. Limited. You, you um, know what yeah. it is? Is that nowadays the Kiss fans? You know, your average Kiss fan who was a Vinnie fan might not have four grand on the average to spend right. on a guitar. And then you add that the fact that it's a, you know, kind of an 80s shape, like a double Jackson V looking yeah, thing, yeah. which I love personally, but, you know, it's just not a guitar like your kid who's going to go into Sam Ash <laughs> is going to go buy. Fi- right? Financially yeah. ranking KISS fans. Right. Individual fans there of which members of KISS yeah. have the most money in order. <laughs> wait, wait, tell me again. It, which... Individual fans, uh, members of Kiss, individual fans of those members. Oh, you mean like Which Gene Simmons fans are the rich, Gene what, most wealthy? Well, Paul, I think Paul most. Stanley yeah. fans might be the most, the most wealthy because they are buying the Paul Stanley artwork that costs like 10 ah, grand for one go. of these paintings there of Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's making a couple million dollars. So, I mean. Are you serious? He's yeah, making he's a couple making, million he, off his artwork? He makes about two million a year yeah, off the I've artwork. Heard, I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, he, like, so I swear to God, like when the bit. statistic came out, it said, "Oh, Paul made two million on his paintings in X year." So okay, well, so, listen, I want to get into some music, but let's just uh, wrap things up on the dead dogs, Vinnie Vincent's dead dogs. Uh, he has th- something like thirty rescue dogs. So his res- his rebuttal right. to that was uh, he 
it was rescuing all these dogs, and a, and one of them was extremely vicious right. and killed a couple of the yeah, other ones. Right, and those dogs. Yeah. You know, anybody that'll, that'll who has yarn. a bunch of rescue dogs at right. their house, that's screams mental insanity. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like a thousand yeah, dogs. It screams at the house, right. male mental insanity. Yeah. we know he hasn't gone through the sex change. No, otherwise I don't think so. he would have a house full yeah. of cats. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> there you go. There you hey, go. Good the, point. Uh, speaking but, of. Uh, News people, I just just a, a side that only Mark probably will get. You remember that guy that used to you used to say if a certain guy is coming to your house, hide that guy that used to like go after sexual predators on NBC. Oh, Chris, uh, Han- Chris, Chris Hansen. Hansen. Did you hear yeah. he got in trouble now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Got, having an affair, but, got zapped for cheating or something. Right. But I mean, yeah. he wasn't having like an inappropriate relationship with a kid, but he did get zapped. So it was just hilarious because Mark used to always say, if Chris Hansen is calling, like, don't pick up. Right. They always have yeah. brownies. I don't remember they saying that. They always have Mike's Hard Lemonade. Like they always That's, have anyways. brownies and lemonade on the no, table. No, it's always <laughs> the Mike's Hard Lemonade. And I always laugh. It's like the boys in marketing over at Mike's Hard Lemonade. Like, God, this is Yeah, we got the pedophile recipe. And it's then so Chris Hansen comes and goes, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you can leave if you want. I'm not doing it. Cool, guys. We're going to get into a little music right now. Big thanks to Eric. Are you are you hanging or are you taking uh, off? N- no, I'm crashing. I got to I gotta head uptown and go to sleep. So okay. it's been great to be here, guys. Cool. He has Thank to go you, somewhere Eric. and pretend to be Steven Adler and then go to sleep. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to run up. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Well, we're going to be coming back with Andy from Black Veil Brides. Calling I can't in wait for real this soon. We, we are definitely excited for it. I can already tell that there are a lot of fans of Black Veil Brides listening to the stream. So, guys, thanks for joining us on Talking Metal, TalkingMetal.com. We're going to get into a little music right now and be back with Andy real soon. This is a band, actually, I think Eric may have introduced me to. I'm not sure. Sister Sin with Death Will Greet Us. Did you introduce me to them? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. And we'll follow that up with a little children of Bodom. This is Death Will Greet a Sister of Sin on Talking Metal.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.